What's up, ladies? How y'all feeling? Good. Good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's, this week has been going really fast. Yes. I think with the time changing, like, oh my God, this has been throwing me off. I'd be ready to be in the bed at five o'clock. I've been loving it. The extra hour, I'm like, yes, give me about an extra two. Uh-uh. <laughs> How you been, Shay? It's making me feel so lazy. Like, I've been feeling so groggy. I already haven't been feeling well, but I just, like, this whole weekend, I slept pretty much the whole time like I knew nothing well that's good you needed to right you needed to catch up properly yeah it does I feel a lot better that's good any updates updates on the kids anything y'all got going on this weekend what's going on no the baby is turning two at the end of the month so just getting everything oh I need to send I've been lacking and sending out his invitation so I need to finish sending those out (laughs) because I've been slipping (laughs) yes what about you, Shay? Any updates? Anything going on? Uh, no, nah, y'all. My life has been pretty boring. I ain't been doing nothing. <laughs> um, honestly, I ain't got nothing new. The newest thing is I've been learning more about Excel. That's pretty boring. Not as good. We all need that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How your sewing been going? Oh, girl, it's good. I, I, I'm going to make another corset in a bucket hat to match. That's my next project. Uh, you okay. didn't send us a picture so we can post to the listeners. They don't know what your corset looked like, what your hat looked like. You ain't showed us. <laughs> I, you know, I'll send you a picture because I wore it with an outfit. Um, but oh, actually, I do have some good news for y'all. I started a gym membership. Oh, good! Yes, Congratulations. That is good. That's the first step. Yeah, I know. I don't like nothing as far as physical activity. Yes, that's really good. I'm proud of you. Thank you. That's Thank good. you. That's the first step. Um, you know, I got a, a decent membership, so I'm gonna try to do Zumba classes. So wish me luck. Check back in on that. We will, we will. We're gonna ask for an update. Yes, that's all I got. That's a good segue into our guests, especially with the health and wellness of yourself. Oh, yes, that's good. Yes, so you guys, as you guys heard Jazz mentioned, we have a guest speaker today. Yay, shout out to the guests, y'all, because we've been having a lot of guests lately, and I'm feeling it. They feeling it, we feeling it. Like, shout out to the guests, y'all. So (laughs) our next guest is Dr. Jessica Thompson. So I'm going to read her bio really quick, and then Jessica is going to, you know, introduce herself and come in. You guys know how it goes. So Dr. Jessica Thompson is a 2020 graduate of Mercury University Doctors of Physical Therapy Program, a proud Mississippi native. She has worked in the Atlanta area for over two years and is now a mobile pelvic physician therapist at her company, Generational Health Physician Therapy and Wellness, LLC. 
She specialized in treating moms to break down the barriers of finding childcare and time to get the PT by offering home and virtual visits. Her goal is to teach clients how to prioritize themselves and leave a legacy of good health that their family will model and pass on for generations to come. She also helps build generational health through her mentality monitoring program, Operational MIST, where she detects problems between OB visits to combat the Black maternal mortality crisis. In her free time, she co-hosts the Operation MIST and core for Momentum podcast available on all major screens platforms. So welcome, Dr. Jessica, y'all. Hey. Hi, thanks for having me. No, no thank you How so much you? for coming. Yeah, I'm doing great. This is amazing. I love what y'all are doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah! We, love what you oh, sorry. we love what you are doing. You see, he's excited about it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so let's get started. I guess we can uh, start off. And I just want to ask, like, what is a pelvic physical therapist? Such a great question. Um, I am a physical therapist first. So I'll explain that first. So physical therapists are basically like the doctors of movement science. Um, and we we help people move better. We diagnose like movement disorders and we help people through like strengthening, through mobility, through manual therapy. So like techniques and treatments that we do with our hands or with tools. Um, and we treat folks like if it's a back pain, if it's back pain, if it's knee pain, like, you know, joint problems, we treat those things. Um, we treat folks with neurological deficits. So people who have strokes or brain injuries, those type of things. We treat folks with traumatic injuries, like people who have car accidents, um, and are in like acute care and ICU. We help those people move better because, you know, traditional medicine, like they help keep you alive, right? And I like to think that physical therapists help you thrive and we help you function. So now that you're well, you know, internally in your body, like how can you do the things that you enjoy or the things that you have to do, like go to work, you know, to survive? And so we help people function better. And as a pelvic PT, I help anybody with the pelvis, but me personally, I help women and moms the most and so I help them with basically things related to peeing pooping um sex intercourse things that you know are involved in your pelvic region and um there's muscles in your pelvis and I'm sure we'll talk about that but those are the muscles that I kind of focus on with my treatment as a pelvic PT Wow, that's dope. That's really cool. How did you even get into what made you want to become a physical therapist? And then also what made you want to really focus on being a pelvic physical therapist and really helping with women's health? Yeah, so I mean, honestly, if I'm if I'm being honest, like physical therapy kind of fell on me. My mom told me she was a very strict mom. She told me I had to be get a job in healthcare or education. And I chose healthcare and I didn't want to be a nurse like her. So with her guidance and the guidance of like my cheer coach um, back in high school, I decided on physical therapy because I knew I was passionate about health 
and wellness, but I really wasn't into medicine. You know, I really wasn't like excited about like surgery and things like that. I couldn't see myself doing those things, but when it involves like the body and movement and helping people basically heal themselves, like I was into that. So that's why I decided on physical therapy. And I actually got a job after I graduated undergrad at a pelvic physical therapy clinic. I did not interview for this job. I thought I was going to be at a regular orthopedic clinic, you know, um, as a tech a technician, right? Somebody answering the phones and like cleaning up there. But when I interviewed for that job, they said, hey, we have a specialty clinic. We think you would be really great with working there. Um, and I just said, okay, because I needed a job while I was applying to PT school. Yeah, but when I was there, I observed like so many people literally having to drive like miles to see this pelvic PT because I'm talking like 60 miles because it was a specialty that was just such a niche field is not a lot of them. And I was like, okay, when I go to PT school, I want to do this and I want to fill that gap. And so I did. So with that being said, like what area and location are you currently at? Like I'm in Atlanta and um, I treat folks in the Atlanta metro area. I have a mobile practice right now. I don't have a clinic space. I go to women's homes. And the reason why I did that to start off with is when I was a tech at that clinic before I went to PT school, I saw so many, a lot of the patients were moms and like new moms. And so many of them would have trouble just getting into clinic because at this point, you don't have to just think about you. You have to think about childcare. You have to think about if I bring this baby to this clinic and she's crying, like, I don't want people looking at me. Or, you know, you have to think about your husband at home. It was just so many barriers. Or you had a job, you know, it's just so many barriers that moms had to not be able to go to clinic because physical therapy is not like a doctor's visit. You go in once every six months, like, no, we see you like on a weekly basis. So it's a commitment and it's hard for new moms. And so I decided to do my practice as a mobile practice and a virtual practice. So either I go to mom's homes in the Atlanta metro area or I treat them virtually. That was really smart of you just to see the need of it and to see where you will fit in as like, oh, let me do this because a lot of people need this virtually or just like you said, people are driving 60 miles to you. Some people probably are in pain or they don't they don't have the car. That's a lot just to, you know, see this doctor. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I never heard of a pelvic physical therapist until I ran into your page. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't though. It's not, I think it is, becoming more popular but we still got a long way to go um but in like other countries like in France like there and they call them physiotherapists in like Europe but whenever a mother gets pregnant and delivers they automatically get like 10 physiotherapy visits to focus on their pelvic floor because they recognize the need and the U.S. just hasn't like caught up to that yet In your research and like why you were in school, did you realize why we haven't caught up to that? Just like you said, in other countries, they're doing it. But here where we have, you know, top scientists and top research, it's like, why are we not privy or even know about this? 
Because I honestly didn't know how, this may sound very ignorant to say, but I'm going to be truthful. I didn't know how important your pelvic floor was. And even though when they said do the exercises when I was pregnant, I would do them. But I didn't really know how important it was. And yeah, and that's crazy. Who was telling you to do the exercises when you were pregnant? You know, um, when I... No, actually, I end up. I was already working out before I found out I was pregnant. Then, when I was pregnant, I actually hired a um, uh, what's it called, a trainer. But she was pregnant at the same time, so mm-hmm. it worked out perfect because she was sending me exercises that she was actually doing. So she's the one who told me to do certain exercises, but not. I don't remember if my doctor told me to or not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know. It's really no clear answer to your question about why the U.S. has not caught up yet. I will say a lot of it has to do with money. Um, In other countries, like in the U.S., we have so many different types of insurances. We don't have like health care for all. A lot of countries like anybody goes to the hospital and like everybody's using kind of like the same insurance plan. So it's not as much about capital as it is about treatment right in the u.s a lot of it a lot of healthcare is business it's about money and um a lot of insurances just don't want to pay for that and definitely not automatically give you you know 10 visits so i think that's one of the big reasons why and then at this point it's for me to be a pelvic physical therapist, I had to take additional courses outside of the courses in my curriculum for physical therapy school. So even if magically today they say, well, every mom in the U.S. gets like 10 physical therapy visits for pelvic floor after they deliver, like we wouldn't have enough pelvic PTs here to do that, to meet that command. So we I think like both, <laughs> exactly right. So I think like both of those things are at play here. OK, so with that being said, like why is like for our listener, why is pelvic floor so uh, important? So basically your pelvic floor muscles are like a hammock at the bottom of your pelvis and they support your bladder. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what you know holds your urine your uterus that's where your baby grows and then your rectum you know that's where your poop is going and gonna come out right so if you have trouble with those muscles um you can have a lot of problems like you may if you, you may have urinary frequency so that's having to go to the bathroom maybe once every hour when usually you shouldn't have to go, but once every two to four hours, it may be like leaking urine, like peeing yourself a little bit when you cough, sneeze, laugh, jump. It may be like constipation. Um, And it may be pain with intercourse because you got to know like your vaginal canal is down there as well. So when those muscles are not working together well, if they're too tight, if they're too weak, you can have a whole host of problems wow so by by your exercises is there a way to actually strengthen these and to solve these problems or is it just something that to maintain it if that makes sense yeah that definitely makes sense there are um definitely things that we do as pelvic therapists to you help heal your pelvic floor help reduce your symptoms absolutely um there are things like 
um, pelvic organ prolapse, so all the organs that I mentioned, your bladder, your uterus, your rectum, if they're not supported well by those muscles, they can basically start drooping. And a lot of times it looks like drooping into your vaginal wall. So you may feel like you have to like push up on your vagina to completely empty your bladder or to completely empty your poop. Or, you know, you might have sex and you feel like a blockage or something uncomfortable down there. And in those instances, even in those instances, we can strengthen your pelvic floor muscles to help reposition those organs. But if it's, there's different grades to prolapse in, um, when it is a higher grade, like a grade four, right? When things are really like falling down, then in those instances, like studies show that um, surgery might be the best options. But when it is, when things are fresh, y'all, and this is why it's important to go ahead and see a pelvic therapist um, early when you're postpartum, when things are like fresh and they're acute and they're not that bad and it's not like you've been dealing with it for like 20 years, it's so, it's so easy to fix those problems. Um, so that's why I'm a big advocate of seeing mom sooner rather than later in preventative care because you don't have to wait until you have all of these issues to see a pelvic physical therapist you want to see them sooner before you get all of these issues and I know some people listening may be thinking like um, my trainer you told me that I can do x y and z or I bought this program online they told me what to do with my pelvic floor and those things are great and really great resources but some of the only practitioners that know how to really assess your pelvic floor muscles are doctors of physical therapy and physical therapists who have had special training in pelvic floor. Even your physician, when you go for a pelvic exam, they are not looking at your pelvic floor muscles. They are checking to make sure your tissues are normal, that they don't see any signs of cancer and things like that, or infection. They are not looking to see if your pelvic floor muscles are tight or loose or weak or strong. They're not looking for those things. So that's why it's important to see a pelvic floor physical therapist specifically, because we can do that internal exam to look at those muscles specifically. Okay, so I had like a follow-up question. So I know you said things to look out for. So if you're using a restroom more than usual, or if it hurts in your pelvic area during sex, are there any other things or issues women should look out for to like note that their pelvic isn't, you know, healthy or where it should be? Yeah, those are really big ones. Like sometimes it's lower abdomen pain, y'all. It's not you may not feel it like in your vagina or in your rectum or what you would consider like your the bottom of your pelvis. You might feel like a dull ache in your lower abdomen. That could be a sign of a lot of times it's prolapse, but it can be a sign of other pelvic problems. You might have back pain. So many people, I think some studies have shown like over 60% of folks with chronic back pain have some type of pelvic floor implication. Um, and y- y'all know back pain is super common for moms. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what's another thing that people may not think about? So how will we be able to tell that? Cause I know like a lot of times people say their back pain. Cause I know for me, a lot of times I say my back pain comes from getting the epidural. Mm-hmm. So like, will we feel a difference? Will we be able to tell the difference? Like, okay, my back pain is probably from the epidural versus my back pain is from my pelvic. 
I don't think you, I don't think you as a I don't think you would be able to tell the difference. And I think that's the importance of just like going to get an exam because you may get screened by a pelvic floor physical therapist and they do everything and they say, oh, you know, you're fine. Or yeah, this may be, you know, delayed symptoms from or side effects from the epidural, you know, but you really, you don't know until you go in and get that screen. Mm-hmm. That's really crazy because you said a lot of stuff that it sounds very painful that women go through. Do <laughs> women come to you a lot off of referrals or are they seeing you on social media or just seeing your your advertisement and like, oh, hey, I am having this type of pain. So I should maybe get it checked out just by hearing your advertisement or are you getting a lot of referrals? You know, one thing I love about y'all's podcast is that y'all kind of um cater to like gen z and millennials and one thing about us millennials i can speak for us i don't know about gen z because i'm not in a generation but we are on the social media okay we are on the interwebs and so i will say most of my patients have found me on instagram or on the internet or uh, from a friend who like shared my page with them and that's just amazing to see like where healthcare is going and that people are actually looking for um, or shopping for like providers like on Instagram. So I really would say I get a, a lot of my referrals from social media, but also from like colleagues who know what I do and who are also physical therapists, but don't specialize in pelvic floor. So they send folks to me. That's really dope. Because <laughs> like you said, our generation is a lot of social media. So a lot of people just type in that search and like, okay, black gynecologist near me. Right, right. Because that's me. That's what I'll do. I'll just put black after everything. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. You got to do it. Now, I wanted to ask, can a C-section affect the pelvic area? Absolutely. And I I love talking about this because there's just a myth in the community that, you know, and and you hear people say it all the time, like, I'm just going to get a C-section because I don't want anything to change down there. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize the amount, there's so much that changes in your body, in your joints, in your ligaments when you're pregnant and growing and this child is growing inside of you and all of those changes are affecting your pelvic floor your posture literally changes you know now your belly's out here your butt's out there this is tilting your pelvis and changing how your pelvic floor muscles work um just the increase in weight and how that increases pressure in your abdomen and now your pelvic floor has to work so much harder to support those organs that we mentioned um now you have like a baby in your uterus growing and pressing into your bladder or pressing into your rectum so you may be constipated or you may be peeing every five minutes like there's so much your diaphragm is moving up because your belly is getting so big so the way that you breathe changes when the way that you breathe changes also, again, that affects the pressure in your abdomen, so it affects your pelvic floor. So you cannot get around um, some of the changes that kind of happen naturally when you are pregnant, whether or not you have a C-section or not. But the implication of a C-section is a scar. 
And nowadays, because C-sections are so common, a lot of them are preventable um, and unnecessary. That's another story for another day. But because they're so common, you know, these surgeons are getting really good with their work and the scar looks great on the outside, right? But underneath, there's layers of scar tissue and any type of abdominal surgery brings about scar tissue in your abdomen region and scar tissue in your abdomen it affects so much even like your intestines and how they move and that can really take a toll on your pelvic floor um so yeah whether or not you have a c-section or a vaginal delivery you can have some pelvic floor implications if you're not doing um preventative measures what are some preventative measures yeah so if you have let's talk about c-section specifically um if you know you're going to have a c-section and you and it's planned what you can do is because i think that some hospitals make you stay like three four days if you're having a c-section go ahead and pack in your bag something soft like us black girls we may already have like our head scarf our satin scarf with us so you can actually use that to desensitize that incision. When you're in the hospital, um, you're not going to go over that incision because it's open and there's bandages around it. But the skin around that the bandage or around that scar, um, you can use something soft like a satin um, head scarf and literally just rub your skin around that scar. And what, what that is doing is waking up the nerves because people will tell you after C-section, like they might feel kind of numb around the area for a while. Or some people may feel pain or they may not want their pants to touch that scar because it's sensitive. So you want to go ahead and get in there and desensitize those nerves first. You want to wake those nerves up because you don't want to develop pain or, you know, sensitivity there and so you do that for like a couple of weeks and then once you get to about like four weeks you can actually start moving the skin around your scar you're not over that scar because it's still healing but moving your skin around and that just looks like you kind of almost massaging your belly just around that scar like moving it up and down and side to side because you're trying to get that scar tissue to lay down a little bit more uniformly and to make sure that it doesn't like make adhesions because that's what can cause like the decreased motility in your intestines and you know constipation and other pelvic floor issues down the line so just early desensitizing the scar with something soft and then moving to like rougher surfaces like a cotton ball or a washcloth and then once you get about four weeks just massaging the skin around that scar that incision to like I said, decrease adhesions from forming. You can't be afraid to, to touch this scar. Um, just make sure your hands and the objects that you're using are clean, obviously. And then on down the line, like six to eight weeks on down the line, you can actually start moving, actually massaging that scar um, to make sure, like over the scar, to make sure that it's not, like I said, forming any adhesions and things like that. I had a C-section. And even hearing you just talk about that, just making me cringe. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, so you were one of those people like, I don't want to touch it. I mean, I definitely was. I did not as much as I probably should have, but I feel like 
I'm, my scar is pretty good right now. I do have some lingering sensitivity. It's um, it's like on, it's just on my right side, but it's not too bad. Um, but I do feel like if I had been more proactive during the time of getting that moved around and just doing those exercises, because it was suggested to me, um, but I just didn't do as much as I I know I should have. Yeah, and it's and I mean it doesn't. Um, it doesn't have to be a long time. Like this is not a 20 minute type of thing. Like you can set an alarm for like three to five minutes, just constantly. Um, this is how our nerves work. If we kind of introduce, excuse me, like stimuli to those nerves, it kind of, you know, helps wake them up. It's the best way that I can say, because if you don't, like you may still, you know, like you, you, like you still have a little sensitivity, maybe a little numbness still there. And I don't know how, how long ago was your C-section? Um, two years ago, uh, two years and a few months. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've had patients with grown children who, you know, have adhesions from C-section scars or their scar is still sensitive. Um, so it's something very small and it seems like mindless and it's like, I'm not going to do that early on. But if you do it and you're consistent, um, in the future, you would like thank yourself for sure. And it's definitely not too late for you, um, Shay, if you want to do a little something to this scar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might because this while the scar isn't bad, it's the it's the like the movement and the and the sensitivity is a bother. Definitely. Yeah. So um I feel like my my birth was just traumatic overall and then like while my pregnancy was fine I failed during my pregnancy mm. I and failed on my back oh wow while I, I think I was like maybe five months pregnant mm. so I feel like that had some effects as well but I did I didn't have another question yeah so I know that they I kind of got some instruction on my like cleaning my scar and stuff like that but I feel like I could have got more do you feel like you advise people on how to properly like clean and heal the scar and how to like other than just um like the the exercises and the movements you know usually I focus more so on the exercises and the movement but I will say that um recently I've had um, clients with like delayed healing of their wounds. And that's something, that's another practice area of physical therapists that people don't know. Um, we learn about wound care. We learn about the integumentary system. A lot of physical therapists work as, um, work alongside like wound care nurses. Um, we kind of do the same thing, but that's not a focus area of mine, but that's something I always pay attention to. I'm looking for signs of infection and things like that. And, you know, encouraging people to keep, you know, their wounds clean because a lot of, if it's a traditional sense of things and, you know, you're in the hospital for days and then you go home, you may not go back to the provider for six weeks. So if you, you know, haven't been instructed properly on how to keep you know, that wound clean, like a lot can change in that time frame. But you just want to be 
um, mindful of smell. You want to be like taking your temperature. You know, your temperature can be a sign of infection if it if it rises. So like using your thermometer daily, it's you should do that regardless after any type of delivery, vaginal or um, cesarean, because infections are real and you know maternal mortality and morbidity is real. So you want to kind of catch those things early. But um, especially since we're talking about C-sections, yeah, you want to do that. And um, also just looking like the scar is obviously going to be or the incision is obviously going to be tender because it is what it is, but shouldn't be like extremely painful. Like it shouldn't be shouldn't be getting like larger, like swelling, like your skin shouldn't be like red or discolored around it. So just knowing like those signs of infections, like so that you can get in to see your provider like sooner rather than later. Like those are important. And those are things that I focus a lot on. And sometimes folks do. I mean, I've known women, I haven't treated them personally, but I've known women who've had to have like wound vac. So like serious um, wound care for their C-sections because um, it's not healing properly, especially folks who have um, like a panic. So basically like their abdomen, there's kind of like a flap. You know what I mean? Like you have to lift it up to kind of see the mm-hmm. scar. It's easy for moisture to stay there. So you want to make sure that you keep it dry. So because their moisture can um, breed bacterial um, bacteria as well. So there's a lot of things to kind of like look at to make sure you keep the area clean. That's wow. That's interesting. So like with after a C-section, will it be okay for a woman to have a vaginal birth? Yeah. So that's called a V-bag, a vaginal birth after cesarean. And those, thankfully, I think they're becoming a little bit more popular. But if if you've had a C-section and you're thinking about delivering, having a baby again, and you want to I don't see why you wouldn't want to try to have a vaginal birth if you can right Mm -hmm. Um, you want to you need to interview your providers because there's still a lot of uh physicians out there OBs out there that will not perform a vaginal birth after cesarean for whatever reason um and so you don't want to just go to a local provider just because they're your local provider or just because they're the ones who gave you the c-section the first time and assume that you know they will be able to fulfill your birth plan because they may not so you have to be open early on with whoever your provider is like hey i had a c-section this last time but i want to have a vaginal birth and hopefully they're honest with you and then you can have time to like find a provider that has experience with doing VBACs so that you can have a better chance of getting one. Because sometimes, you know, you may get sold like a wolf ticket, like, oh, we'll see. And then push comes to shove. When you get closer to it, they're kind of like pushing you toward getting a cesarean again. So you just want to find somebody that's team you and that believes in your birth plan um, and really tells you your risk and your benefits because it might be in your safest interest for you to get a repeat C-section, but it might not. So you just want somebody that's, that will really communicate with you and that'll be on your team so that your birth plan can be the best for you and your baby. It's dope how you 
you are very knowledgeable on the entire process, not just, you know, the afterbirth care. So what's your favorite part? Do you love being, a, you know, being with clients from the beginning to the end or you just love the knowledge of it and be able to help women and be able to tell them more information that they should know? Oh man, I love all of it. I but honestly, I will say just because my start is just health and wellness, and that's what kind of brought me into the field. Like I love helping folks postpartum. Like when people have come to me postpartum and they have goals, like all I know is I don't feel the same and I want to feel like I felt before. All I know is I really want to get back to doing this activity or I really want to get back to the gym but I want to make sure I'm doing the right things and not doing the wrong things like I love helping folks who have a goal and I can help them reach that goal like that's one of my favorite things but I also like preventative care so like this this conversation that I'm having with y'all um just giving people the knowledge that other people may not have taken the time to sit down and talk to them about like that's super important to me because I really do feel like knowledge is power and knowledge is what's going to help us, you know, reduce this black maternal mortality crisis. So the more black women that have, you know, this knowledge in their hands, the better. I can tell you right now, it's already helping me. <laughs> yeah, this is dope. This is like a lot of stuff that I didn't know. <laughs> and I already had my baby two years ago. And it's not something that some people come and talk to you about, especially when I found your page. I was like, wow, you talking about stuff I ain't never heard people talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think people have this misconception of because you get so much information when you're pregnant and things kind of move fast. People just assume like, um, I'm not going to tell them about what's going to happen to their pelvic floor because they got too much stuff to deal with. And it's like, no, you present her the information and let her decide if it's too much or not. You know, don't withhold information from moms. And then, because I, what I really hate is when people come to me and they say, man, I wish I had known about this X amount of years ago. You know, like, I hate that because that information is out there, but we just got to do a better job with getting it to the people who need it when they need it. That's good. Jessica, if you don't mind um, me asking, do you have any children? No, not yet, but I definitely desire to be a mom one day. Oh, that's great. Do you have like your birth plan in mind or you haven't thought about that yet? Girl, you know, I have thought about it up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I have not written it down per se, but in my mind, I'm definitely going to try to do a home birth. I want a midwife on my team. I want my, I want the midwife to be in charge. Um, and obviously, you know, you have to have an OB for emergencies, but right. I want my midwife to be like in charge of my birth. I want it to be at home. I definitely want um, to labor in water a little bit if I can and just be able to move freely within my home. Like I want my birthing partner there. And my family is super traditional. So they already told me they don't want to be there if I'm doing it <laughs> at that's home. That's funny. They like call me when the baby comes. I'm like, that's fine. You know, so <laughs> it'll probably just be me and my birthing partner, midwife. I, I want to have a doula there as well. Um, I want to have a postpartum doula when all of this is, oh, when all of that is over. So 
yeah and I I really want things to be really holistic and um I want it to be I want to use as few interventions as possible so <laughs> you spoke of a midwife what does the midwife do do like why does the OB have to be there so the OB is a surgeon, right? A midwife does not do C-sections. So if, you know, the worst case scenario happens and the baby needs to get here immediately, you know, the quickest way to do that is a C-section. So that's why um, when you have a midwife, usually there is an OB on the team as well for emergent situations like that. Um, and even if you do birth at home, Usually when you have a midwife, they go over this plan and they go over those emergencies. So they make sure, you know, that your home is so many miles away from the nearest hospital, you know, with an OB that can do those things, you know, OB that they have a relationship with. Um, but a midwife, um, midwives were a discipline before, you know, OBGYN was. And a lot of people don't know that, but that was the that's how everybody gave birth way back when like the yeah. OB discipline is actually really new in a historical context so it, but nowadays people think like midwives are like witches or you know some weird stuff <laughs> but it's really like that's the basis like that's home especially for black folks um black people will always have midwives and birth workers in their communities um and so they know everything about birth and it's really a safe way to deliver and usually midwives treat with um the mom in mind and especially if you're going to go to like a birth center or you want to do a home birth like you don't have to worry about like your nurse um having to tend to three other women on your hall like it's like you're the only you're the sole patient like everybody is on your team and like waiting on you and I really want that like one-on-one -on -one experience for my birth um and if I get a midwife it'll be like a certified nurse midwife so this is a nurse this is someone who has went to nursing school and then has also went back to school to become a midwife so these are really educated folks mm -hmm. now do you know if like the if like insurance covered doulas and midwives like are you aware of that yeah I know for sure that TRICARE now covers doulas because most insurances don't cover doulas but I know that TRICARE recently passed something um where they cover doulas but the doulas have to be like donor certified I want to say um a lot of insurances do cover midwives because you know midwives some midwives work in hospital systems or they work at birth centers or they have a private practice and you know they come to your home um so but that is something that each is different for, you know, every policy. So that's something that you want to look into. Um, but even the ones that are not covered by insurance, usually they have like payment plan options. Um, so you might, you know, set a monthly fee that like you're paying them like leading up to delivery. So it's really not, I think it's affordable for most folks. Um, and like I said, especially if it's in a hospital setting, um, I'm sure that most insurances cover midwives. Oh, this is a lot to think about. <laughs> it's yeah. like so much because it's like as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you're already thinking about other stuff. But this is so important, especially for people who want to go through holistic, 
you know, situations and, and birth giving is just, it's a lot to think about and a lot to make sure your family is on board with. And I'm so glad you brought up family because, um, and I really need to do a better job with this. And that's why I like name my practice generational health, because like the, the onus of like giving birth should not just be on the mom. Like it took two people to make this baby. Like let's bring dad in this, you know, you have, you know, your parents and people that are going to be teaching you, like, let's bring them on board. Like, we definitely need to do a better job with, like, educating the whole family unit because it really does take a village. And, like, you should not, you probably can do birth alone, you know, but you shouldn't have to. Uh-huh. Yeah, I totally agree. Yep. Totally. Do you think, have you seen a lot of men interested in um all of this information? Yes. And I'm so excited about it. Like, it's, and it gives me hope as a single person, you know, wanting to be a mom one day. Like, there are men out here that are, like, the biggest cheerleaders for their wives and, like, are really stepping up to the plate, whether it's, like, doing more chores or cooking more, you know, as it gets, as the um, mom gets, like, into the third trimester and it's, you know, about to be game day. And it's, like, men that are, like, there and really involved with the whole process especially if you get a doula because doulas are support persons not only for the mom but for the family unit um so I've been saying as more women are getting doulas like more men are becoming more educated and just being more like a part of the process because I think in the black community a lot of times people just think that the guys are supposed to like show up to the baby shower and take pictures and then show up to the hospital because he's just supposed to be there. But it's like, no, you need to give him a role. Like he needs to be, he needs to be your advocate because while you're giving birth, like you may not be able to speak up for yourself. And so you need to equip him with the knowledge because I mean, what good is all of that knowledge that you get if in the moment you can't speak up for yourself? Wow, that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. From my experience, my partner was with me and it was during COVID and he was the only one there. So Mm -hmm. I'd always imagine like my mom and my grandmother being there to help with that process. But I only had, you know, this male who knew about as much as I did. And so I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, the same. Oh, I'm sorry, Jessica. No, go ahead. I was just saying for Shay, like I'm glad she brought up COVID because that's a good point. Like it because some hospitals are still like limiting how many people you can bring in. So and I would just encourage anybody who's listening, like choose somebody that's going to advocate for you. Like if it's somebody that doesn't know what's going on, I don't care if it's your mama or your baby daddy or your husband, like you might not need to choose them. Like you need to choose somebody that's a little bit more aware and that's willing to like even step on some toes of some of these providers if it comes down to the safety of you or your child, you know? So I'm glad you brought that up. Because if, if you if it's a choosing game, like don't just choose the baby's father just because, you know, society might be telling you to do that. You know, you have to make an educated decision for you and your livelihood and your well-being. Yeah, that's a great point. I think we are, yeah, we all like experience um, having like COVID deliveries. So yeah, mm-hmm. we were only able to have like one person um, in the room. And I think too, like during, well, during my pregnancy, like speaking on behalf of me, like 
my partner, he was able to come to um, to a certain amount of doctor's appointments. Then once it like COVID like really hit, it was like, all right, he can no longer come to come inside none of the, for the doctor's appointment. And it's like, dang, this is when I need him the most. Um, yeah. Especially like towards the end. Um, so like after the, once we found out the gender, um, it was like, that was the last appointment he was able to come into. And after that, it was just like it, like he wasn't able to come to any more appointments. And then when we actually went to the hospital, he wasn't able to come into the back with me until I was like almost fully dilated. Um, of course they had him like step out the room when it came down to me getting the epidural because I did receive the epidural. So he had to step out the room and then come back. But like you said, you would want to have, you know, someone in there. I think too with him being with my child's father, this was his first child, my first child, we were both so nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like scared to like touch me to do things to hold my feet <laughs> up. He he almost fainted with like the nurses had to catch him when he was holding my feet up and I was pushing. I'm like, uh-uh, see, my mama should have been in here because you, you passed <laughs> out. Like, oh, I don't need you to pass out. So it's like, of course you want them there because this their child too. You want them to experience the same thing as well. But you also want someone who knows what they're talking about. Um, good thing we did have like supportive nurses and the nurses was like really nice and genuine. But it's nothing like having someone there to advocate for you, to to be there um, when you're weak, to be there to, you know, hold you up and to help you, you know, find, get information about what's the process going to be, what's going on, stuff like that. Because me, majority of the time, I was, well, before then, I was in a lot of pain. And then once I got the epidural, it was like, I was high from that point on, like, <laughs> I know the nurses was talking to me. I understand nothing they were saying. It's like I'm agreeing to everything. I'm saying okay. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, yeah and that fine. can be dangerous, right? So yeah, yes. that's a good point. Yes, yeah. definitely. I'm going to ask, um, how are you building awareness about pelvic health? Well, that's a good question. Um, by having conversations like this, obviously. Um, I also have a podcast. I have two podcasts, um, Core 4, that's a number four, Momentum, and then the Operation Miss podcast, M-I-S-T. Um, through both of those podcasts, I kind of interview other like pelvic practitioners or birth workers and I try to bring awareness that way because podcasts are free and just easy for people to grab to get information um building awareness through my Instagram um Dr. JT the pelvic PT that's D-R-J-T underscore the pelvic PT um and I try to make posts and I try to make like witty posts that you know people actually want to stop and watch and listen to um just to give them just a quick, quick knowledge about the pelvic floor, why they may need a pelvic PT, and just to let them know that pelvic PTs are out there and, you know, ready to serve them. I love your post. Your Instagram is the bomb. So y'all <laughs> make sure y'all follow her and listen to the podcast because I love your post. Thank you so much. I love how our generation is using the things like that we grew up on and things that we connect with to share important information as well. I know I've learned a lot through Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, 
Twitter even like mm-hmm. just from people sharing their information so we appreciate you again for coming on and sharing everything and being able to learn from you and hopefully someone else is able to learn from this as well and maybe they can reach out to you if possible and be able to get services from you from this so we'll cross our fingers on that yeah I would love to serve anybody in the Atlanta metro area um and if it's somebody just in the state of Georgia or Mississippi I can serve them virtually so I'm so ready to connect with anybody who is willing to take that journey with me Yes, make sure you guys DM her, you follow her on her social media, please listen to her podcast. So thank you so much, Jessica, for joining this episode. We really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing all the information with us. And uh, make sure you DM us um, where I'm probably going to get your information from Jazz. Um, We're going to post your social media so that our followers and listeners can follow you just in case they, you know, didn't catch it on here. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. No problem. So guys, we're going to wrap up. Um, As we wrap up, we're going to have a diaper raffle that we'll be doing this week. So in order, this diaper raffle will be very, very simple. So in order to enter this diaper raffle, you must be following us on all social media platforms. That's all we ask. You follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and add us on Facebook at New Age Mamas. That's N-E-W-A-G-E-M-A-M-A-S, New Age Mamas. Just make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. And all you have to do is DM us, and then you will be able to enter into the raffle. Um, Also, we have a a mom shout out this week so we would like to shout out our mom the mom we are shouting out you guys are know you guys know you love her we would like to shout out jasmine jasmine is being shout out by wheel thank you so much jasmine for everything you do so i'm going to quote exactly what wheel stated oh y'all gonna make me cry <laughs> jasmine would be a great choice for mom of the week Since our son has been born, Jasmine has been nothing but amazing. Not only is she devoted to God, but she works full-time, runs her business, serves in the community, and studies to become a home inspector, all while still being able to attend to our son. And she does above and beyond for him and gives him all the love and attention he needs. I often think of her as Supermom. With her day starting at 3.30 or 4 a.m., and not closing out until the day ends, which is around 11 p.m. Not to mention her dedication to your podcast. Long story short, Jasmine is nothing but amazing. And we are definitely proud of you. And thank you for all your hard work. You're the best mom. Shout out to Jasmine, guys. Oh, this is really Yay. sweet. <laughs> thank y'all. Oh, look at him. That was so right. sweet. Nope. <laughs> So, guys, we're going to wrap up. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Please, please, please make sure you guys subscribe to our podcast. We appreciate it. Um, We thank everyone for tuning in. Please make sure you leave us a review if you have any comments or anything that you would like to tell us in order to help build our podcast. Make sure you follow Jessica podcast and make sure you listen to her as well. It only takes a few minutes to get us a review. We would like to reach out to more moms. So please, please, please make sure you subscribe and follow us on all social media platforms. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at New Age Mamas. We have so much more in store for you guys. So that's a wrap. Tune in to our next episode. (music) 